Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. We are coming to you from the living room of my sumptuous Las Vegas apartment here in the hottest city in America, the Business Creators Radio Show goes where you go. It takes you into the field where you have those aha moments and those mastermind meetings that move you closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. This transformation does not happen in a $25,000 Hollywood quality soundproof studio, nor does it happen in your office, nor does it happen when people are staring into webcams, holding their media poses and what have you. Sometimes you may hear a bird chirping in the distance, a car driving by, ambient noise from the next table. These are the things that you're going to encounter when you have these transformational moments. And hopefully we're going to bring one to you today, speaking about a timeless topic, something that I've been involved in previously. One of my clients offers this, and I'm happy to speak with another leader in the field who is somebody you can reference when it comes to press releases. His name's Mickey Kennedy. He believes that with some effort and a little money, the possibilities are endless. He's an expert in helping small businesses, authors, and startups increase their visibility and credibility. He founded a company called eReleases 22 years ago after realizing that small businesses desperately need a press release service they can actually afford, giving them access to the media and to a national newswire all with a personal touch. He holds an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry from George Mason University. His press, excuse me, his press releases have resulted in articles being published in the Wall Street Journal, CNN Bloomberg, and many other prestigious news outlets. Mickey Kennedy, come on in. The weather's fine. Huh. Thanks for having me. All right. So I read off that bio. Very impressive. In fact, I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here in your presence, and this is my show. So before we get into some of the things you want us to cover when it comes to press releases and this form of media and publicity, let's take a step back. Tell us in your words something about your journey that's helped bring you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. So um, I started about uh, 24 years ago um, with uh, basically I had seen a trend faxing press releases for a telecom research company I work for okay. uh, of journalists calling and saying, could you email the release? We got it via fax, but it's easier to work with and copy and paste with email and that's when the light bulb went off and i'm just like email is like the easiest way to communicate with people uh it would you know uh at that time and so uh i 
spent a year contacting journalists and launched uh, in October of 1998 with about 10,000 journalists in my database. And I was just a matchmaker um, putting uh, press releases in front of journalists, uh, depending on what their beat was. And over the years, that database grew, but even more, um, the Newswire, PR Newswire came and approached us and said, yep. hey, we, we like what you're doing and we would like you to also send your releases through us. And I pointed out that they charged over $1,000 for a national press release and I was just charging a few hundred dollars. And so um, they did not slam the door in my face. They uh, uh, they liked the entrepreneurs, the startups and uh, you know speakers and people that we worked with. And they saw that they weren't serving them, nor would their sales force be interested in serving them. And so uh, we, we sort of have been their small business arm for uh, about a decade now. And uh, everybody that goes through us gets a national distribution over the wire, as well as that email distribution that we're known for. Okay, so that's fantastic. And I have three points here for, for both you and our audience. And the first is candid full disclosure. And I alluded to this a few moments ago. Uh, we have a client at, in my consulting firm and also in our podcast reach system. His name is Dan Janow, and he's the founder and creator of Guaranteed Press Releases, which also uses PR Newswire and offers a, a service very similar to yours. Uh, this leads actually to my second point for our listeners, which is the power of podcasting. When you have an outlet, when you host a podcast, you have the opportunity to speak with folks who may be competitors of each other. I've had folks on my shows, and I have two podcasts myself, who also help entrepreneurs launch podcasts, which is the work that I do. One of the beautiful mediums of podcasting is that when you properly position it as a media outlet rather than a marketing extension of your business where you sell stuff, it gives you the opportunity to open conversations, create connections, and explore avenues that from the shell of the work that you do and the base you serve, you might not be able to. This right here, this conversation, I know is one of my blessings because Mickey, I have heard of you before and I have heard of e-releases. I think pretty much everybody has. So I recognize the value of having a conversation with you here today. The third thing I want to ask you is, uh, if you, and again, I, I gave a full disclosure. Now you give a full disclosure. And if I'm, and if I'm not figuring something out, that's perfectly fine. I'm, I'm open to that. But do you ever, you, you have your smartphone in your hand and it starts ringing and you can't wait for it to stop ringing so you can start using it again? Absolutely. Uh, uh -huh. I, <laughs> I, I do suffer from that. Yeah. A, a lot of, a lot of us do. The reason I bring that up is it goes back to your discovery that, yeah, 24 years ago, you were faxing press releases. And then you noticed that, well, why these reporters, they use this, this newfangled thing called email. And what's interesting, what I've seen evolve with email, there's those of us who are the inbox zero crowd. I set a goal every day of setting my inbox back to zero. I like to start fresh, which means by the end of the day, everything is either answered disposed of, dealt with, or, and this is the case with about 80% of emails you get candidly, just deleted because 80% of it doesn't matter. Uh, email is also for most people who don't are, follow the inbox zero philosophy and will have 2,000 unread messages. <laughs> you may be familiar with that phenomenon as well. It's sort of like watching a Twitter feed. Once it goes by, it's gone. 
I believe the shelf life of an email is approximately 36 hours. So somebody comes to me and, uh, and they say, uh, and they say they want to actually make, this doesn't even happen anymore. I think the culture has evolved. But I remember back in the day, boy, if you didn't answer an email fast enough, you got to hear, why didn't you answer my email? Well, when did you send it? Yesterday? Oh, well, that time has passed. It's, it's dead. Uh, if, if it matters, send it again. And I made this discovery about a year ago, actually. I did an experiment where I just stopped answering my email for a week. I didn't even log in for a week. And after a week when I logged in, there was nothing that accumulated that required me to do anything. The reason why, it's very simple. Those who are close enough to me, meaning they've given me money, where their urgencies can become my issues, anything that they needed on a time frame, they knew they had the privilege of reaching out. So this actually leads to my first question, which I'm going to put ahead of the first question you want us to ask for a reason is, in what way would you say, if, if I'm accurate about this, that press releases create a channel where you have a privileged or an exclusive access to a reporter, to a journalist, or to an influencer that allows you to get your message out, particularly as an entrepreneur? Right. So um, basically, there are many different avenues for reaching journalists. Some of them prefer contact through Twitter. Some prefer email. Uh, I don't think any of them can, uh, are looking for faxes anymore. Uh, yeah. But a lot of them do rely on the newswires. And the real value of a newswire, I think, for a lot of journalists is it you can, uh, with a login as a journalist, uh, you are able to customize your feeds. So if I cover the fashion industry, for example, uh, but I only cover like high-end fashion. So if it mentions any retailers like Target, you know, places like that, I can actually set up keyword exclusions so that if certain keywords appear, I, my those releases won't appear in my feed. So you can really make it very custom so that whatever segment in your industry that you cover, you're really just looking at releases that speak to that. And I think that that's the real value of a wire um, because, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a browsing thing. It's looking at the headlines and then drilling down, clicking through. Is this headline seem interesting to me uh, and, and clicking through? At the end of the day, you have to recognize that a journalist is a gatekeeper and that they are trying to decide what is worth sharing with their audience? What will entertain their audience? What will intrigue them? What will they see as a value? And so many press releases are written from the standpoint of this is what we want to do. We want to sell more product. Therefore, this is a me, me, me type press release. Uh -huh. And you didn't really take into account that journalist's job as a gatekeeper. And one of the easiest things to do in any press release is go back and rework it with putting a story in uh, in mind. Journalists build stories. They like the story arc. They like an underdog that overcomes an obstacle. They like people who have used a product and achieved some measurable result. So, uh, so many product releases go out and there's no use case studies. There's nobody's experience of what has happened uh, using that product or service. You know, but and yet, if you talk to them, they're like, "Oh yeah, we had one client that got twenty-two percent uh, reduction in um, you know this this fee that they were encountering," and but they didn't put that in the press release. And uh, really, 
you're, you know, you have to keep in mind that a journalist is acting as a curator and they're trying to go out there and find little uh, little gems to share with their audience. And the good news about that is they like um, covering small businesses. They like to be uh, uh, cover what they call discoverable little gems. And often those are small startups or small little companies. They don't like you know, writing big profiles for the giant Googles and Microsofts of the world. So it, it is a, an area of PR where uh, the smaller you are and the less, uh, you know, sophisticated you are, you have a better chance of getting media success. Wow, that is that is absolutely fascinating. It's not really anything I didn't already know, but I love the way you say it. And I'd like to develop this a little bit further. I agree that you see some folks who will release press releases or share information about their business that is really from that me, 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 and us, us, us perspective. And I look at it and I say, so what? I mean, I mean, I mean, really, there's nothing new under the sun. What makes any brand or any business at this point, in my personal view, unique, valuable, or special is the leadership and their unique combination of worldview practice and experience that delivers them the product. Like for, for example, I mentioned earlier, my primary business right now is working with entrepreneurs and small businesses to launch their podcasts, their key networking, client attraction, celebrity expert branding tool. I, I have 14 friends who also offer that service. Mine, what makes mine special is my 10 years of experience doing it within certain industries, markets, and niches and our proprietary reach method our reach system for making that happen which is something that my 14 friends don't do i mean i'm not saying that their stuff is bad in fact i think their offerings are great for a lot of people but it's a there's a particular type of individual who wants to work with us like what is the problem we solve and when i think of press releases that's kind of what i want to see is i understand that the company is making news. So I'm not going to ask a question like, is it true that news is made? It doesn't just happen. Well, duh. duh. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I think it's a matter of how you make that news in a way that's intriguing. So let me back up and let me just make sure I understood something correctly. Reporters, journalists, and this can also include bloggers, social media influencers, what have you, can have accounts on uh, PR Newswire, I believe it is, if I'm understanding this correctly. And yes. they can customize their searches to receive press releases based on a number of different topics and a number of different subject areas. And they can also have it based on keywords. So let's say I had a blog about cigars. I would want to receive any press release related to cigars, whether it's, um, whether it's a manufacturer that's releasing a new brand, um, an event about a cigar launch, uh, news about legislation pertaining to cigars, uh, something the Cigar Rights of America is doing. These are the things that I would want to know because this becomes feeder content for what I generate and also potential connections for me. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, it, it really is. It, the Newswire makes it so easy for journalists to really um, sort of uh, sculpt what it is that they're looking for. And uh, sometimes if they're a little too ambitious, they might be restricting some press releases that might have been a great story. But 
I, I think that uh, a lot of them are, are are pretty knowledgeable of what they cover and they make it really customized for them. And it, it becomes where what they're browsing each day when they go in and look at those feeds of those headlines that are streaming, that they're really relevant to them and, and what they're covering. Right, right. Can anybody be a journalist? <clears throat> Well, that is so interesting <laughs> because about 15 years ago, I really had to twist the arm of the newswire to accept some bloggers that I knew as media journalists. And uh, I remember one case where we had someone in the automotive industry that had a huge blog that was getting, I think at the time, 140,000 visitors a month. And I pointed out that that's more traffic than most auto trade publications, their websites. Right. And uh, but the Newswire was just so resistant. Now the Newswire has done a complete 180. Uh, I, I found out recently that uh, some of the media outlets receiving press releases, for example, in the fashion uh, world are actually influencers on Instagram. And so the, the, the wire is now accepting the fact that media is coming from lots of different places and that uh, people who are not traditional media people like an influencer on Instagram are uh, can have access to it. So I, I think that if you can show a need or that you are a content provider of some sort, then you can get that access to the wire. They are much more accepting of it today than they used to be. Okay, so that's looking at it from the contributor side and i agree that what social media has done for us and i've explained this in detail in my contribution to journeys to success and millennial edition is with the proliferation of the internet what we've had is a democratization of information dissemination technically anybody can be a news outlet i'm even as we speak right now mickey i'm on themeforest.net and i did a search for WordPress themes with uh, with the, with the keyword news, and I'm seeing about 20 different designs that after we finish our interview, I could buy a domain, host it. I already have very robust hosting. I can do it as an add-on domain or make a new cPanel by clicking a few buttons, and an hour or two, I can have that DNS'd over, and by this afternoon, I could have a theme up. I could whip up a quick logo. I could write a handful of news stories, acquire some feature images from 123RF to fill in the feature image blanks. And by this evening, I could have my own news outlet. It's up yep. to me from there to be compelling, to create stories that go viral, to create a following, to identify a market. But I, I could be in the news business in like three hours. Yep, absolutely. And where do people get their news these days? Let's think about that. Uh, most people I know, even those who say that they follow the quote-unquote main news stations, which sometimes are called the mainstream media, sometimes are called the legacy media, depending on your point of view, they don't actually watch, they don't like sit down and watch the stuff, <laughs> but, right. uh, but yet they seem to know what's being said. Right, absolutely. So where, so, so where are they finding out about this? I would say... It's the internet. You mentioned Twitter, which is which is a great place to reach reporters. Uh, I, I mean, I get my you know, where I get my news is it's actually pretty simple. If I want news, I go out looking for it. I know where the websites are. I can find what I need. Otherwise, I just check in on social media a few times a day. If a, if a news story is actually that important, 
it will find its way to me because somebody I know will write something about it. Yep. That's how I found out that Russia invaded the Ukraine. I didn't even know there was an issue until people started posting the flags. That yeah. made me that made me make me sound naive or uninformed. But A, if you recall from earlier this year, that all went down kind of quick. And yes. B, uh, B, that's something that when you think about it, you have one country invading another and we have relationships with both those countries. That's going to be an issue that affects all of us, regardless of which views you have on that conflict. So that is going to break through on social media one way or another. I know a lot of people that actually view social media as their news source. So what, and this is going to be a very broad question. You can answer this however you deem appropriate or or helpful. Uh, What is the relationship these days between press releases and social media? Well, um, I think that press releases are, uh, you're seeing them on social media. You see uh, people on social media using press releases, getting that journalist access and uh, putting stories together uh, in, in content. I see it uh, a, a lot on Facebook groups. I see it uh, somewhat, uh, of course, with Twitter. Twitter is a very natural newsy type place, headline oriented. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've even seen it in TikTok. Uh, it's it's uh, one of those things where if if you have an audience and are able to articulate yourself, uh, you can build a, a you know basically a following anywhere. And uh, it's just a matter of you know is 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 the audience there going to be receptive to it? Um, I saw a professor recently in college who was talking to people about uh, how they get their news. And he was surprised that uh, the majority of people in that room don't consider TikTok a news outlet, but two thirds of them found out the queen died on TikTok as it happened. I found out that she, I found out that she died because like 30 people DM me between Facebook and LinkedIn to say the queen died. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that's how I found out about it. Uh, right. People ran and told, told me about it. It's like, my condolences i i didn't need the full court press of 30 people but it does still raise the point that stories of interest uh, acquire a viral capability and with the internet being the, the center of democratization of information dissemination you get a story running and people will go with it yeah yeah so uh i'm gonna ask this question a different way and this is gonna sound familiar and i'm gonna ask again can anybody be a journalist now the way you answered it the first time is defining what is a journalist. Uh, And you showed us how the definition has gone beyond news outlets, and it's gone to bloggers, it's gone to TikTokers, it's gone to Instagrammers, it's gone to influencers of all ilk. It goes to people who know how to install WordPress theme, write a few articles, and declare themselves in the news business. So as far as accessing press releases and becoming a recipient of what gets sent through e-releases to gather information and build a contact network. Can anybody be a journalist? Can, like, could I, I, I'm not a journalist per se. Can I go to e-releases right now and create an account and start receiving press releases? Nope, you cannot. Okay. What, uh, what, what's stopping me and what would I need to, uh, what would I need to adjust in order to be able to? Uh, you would, you would have to prove that you're uh, at what would be a, a news outlet. And I would just be looking at, you know, who are you? 
Because okay. one of the things that we found is many of the people who sign up to receive press releases through e-releases are competing press release companies. Uh-huh. And then they contact my people uh, and, and, and uh, try to upsell them or sideways sell them into their product. Uh-huh. Um, so we, we do look for when someone comes through and you say, I've got a new website. We look, is there a website there? Has some effort been put in place that they right. are, uh, you know, doing something? If there is no website and they can't articulate who they are or give us a username on Instagram or something like that, where we can actually go and determine that they are who they are, we, we, we don't, you know, let them receive our releases. Um, the Newswire is the same way. Uh, but like I said, they've completely relaxed it because used to, there was a time where you had to be with a bona fide print publication and they didn't really care that you were a blogger. And now they're just like, we will take anybody who is out there and can basically prove that they are trying to um, take press releases and turn them into articles. Right. So someone like me could potentially take a shot at going to directly to PR Newswire uh, and attempt to get access that way. But for e-releases, you're looking for folks who are actually putting forth an effort to be a news network, to put in one sentence. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So you would, so just, I'm saying you'd come to me, uh, you'd look to see, did he really go install a WordPress theme on a domain and write articles? And then you might go a step beyond that is, did he just put a few things up so he can claim he's in the news business? Or is he publishing things daily, relevant content, uh, quality content does it have a following are people subscribing does it have a social media presence that gets attention these are things that i'm guessing you might look at to determine who are the bona fides so it's not a matter of uh, are we legacy or are we traditional per se but it's more like are we seriously a source of news correct yeah or you're going that to do something with the press release right uh, yeah something in a content perspective right 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 so Dang it, because I had this crazy idea that I could uh, I could become a recipient of press releases and use that to cherry pick for guests for my podcasts and potential clients for my business. I mean, you you, you think you think about <laughs> you think about these things and I, I tell you, other people have already thought about it. I many years ago thought that hey, people on Kickstarter and Indiegogo could certainly use PR and press releases. So I started reaching out to them. And one person wrote back to me and says, you're the 80th person to contact me today and who's trying to market to me in some capacity because I have a, a Kickstarter. And I was just like, wow, I did not realize that this idea that I had, a lot of people share it, and a lot of people see it as a potential opportunity. So I quit that. Uh, I, I I didn't find it effective, and the reason being, there's just so many people going after it. I, the same thing happens with press releases. You know, uh, there's media contacts that are publicly available, and they get slammed with calls and and emails as well. But uh, you know, it's just part of being out there and and accessible. Uh, you know, there's always people who are going to try to market to you. That's always that's always going to be the case. And I can imagine being a journalist, being a reporter, being an influencer. You've got you've got people approaching you who are going to insist that their big announcement about their brand new life coaching business is the thing that's going to change the entire industry. And it is nose lowercase n capital E, lowercase W, uppercase S. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so what we're looking for is that people are willing to put in the effort to demonstrate that they're really trying to make this happen and that they have developed some level of traction that indicates not only legitimacy, but also a persistent consistency toward a goal. Yep. All right. So let's take it back to the entrepreneur's perspective and say that, and I, and I've done press releases before as a, as a customer of press releases. So what are some tips for writing a winning press release? Uh, The one that gets republished, the one that gets journalists attention, that gets me what I'm looking for. So I have done a 180 myself over the years in this respect. I used to feel that if you wrote the most perfect press release, you could get a lot of media attention. And I realize now that the writing doesn't really matter very much. If you look at a press release, uh, you go to ereleases.com and click on press release examples in the footer, or you go elsewhere and find press releases. They're pretty simple. Um, you know, they're, they're usually written at like a eighth grade, ninth grade, uh, level. Um, it's just a document that's written in the third person. You might have some quotes where you can say something in the first person. And, uh, there's a headline, potentially a subhead, a dateline, and then the inverted pyramid. You tell the most important information first, and then you provide supporting information. And you might have a boilerplate, which is an about us section and a media contact. It's, it's a very simple product. What I find is it's not really important how well written it is. And over the years, that's evolved quite a bit because when I got started 24 years ago, if you made a couple of mistakes and weren't following AP style, you looked really bad. And the perception Uh was that it was going to affect you. I don't know whether it did at that time, but I can tell you it doesn't anymore. Um, uh, the newswire always used to correct and put it in AP style. They don't even bother anymore. So if you send over something in all caps, I've seen them move a headline in all caps. Um, it, it's people don't care anymore. It's about the content. What is it that you're announcing? Is it newsworthy? Is it uh, going to be something uh, that a journalist is going to want to turn into an article? And um, I, I tell people the the real magic of a press release is what can you do to reverse engineer it from the, 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 the standpoint of, I want to reverse engineer it for a journalist so that it's going to really wow him or her and make them want to share it with their audience. And so uh, I mentioned some little tricks before about uh, you know trying to have elements in there that uh, lead to building a story, an arc, um, you know, uh, things that you can do. I, I, I've had clients to come to me and they said, Mickey, I've done four or five releases and none of them have done anything. And I, I tell them, I said, if you want a no fail press release that will result in eight to 14 articles, I can give you one. If you do this, you will get between eight and 14 articles. The least I've ever seen it get is four uh, with one exception. Um, and uh, it is do a survey or study within your industry. And you want to make sure you ask questions that are really relevant today, right now. Uh, we have supply chain logistics issues. We have mm-hmm. um, 
labor issues, people changing how they want to work. They worked in the pandemic from home. A lot of people still want to work from home. And how does that change the dynamics of the workplace? We have some economic uncertainty. Uh, what's your marketing spend looking like over the next two to three quarters? Do you plan on spending more or less? So if you answered, had questions like that, you also want to add you know, some other questions that are maybe more industry specific uh, and, and you know, things that you would talk about if you were at a conference today with colleagues. Hey, have you noticed this? Have you noticed that? Asking all those kinds of questions, uh, the media is going to want to know the answer. They, you know, you took their temperature today. You, you know, they they would like to know the temperature in six months. So, uh, if you get a survey out and get those results, you can build a really compelling story. Uh, you want your press release to take what was the most interesting responses that you got, or the biggest surprises or ahas, and articulate. Uh, with some analysis of why you felt it skewed that way and have some great, amazing quotes in there explaining and breaking down the data. And uh, I, I, it, it always gets media pickup. Uh, the one exception is I, I had a client who did a press release and she asked uh, women, you know, what height of a man do you like? And she says she found out 82% of women like men who are six feet or taller. It, it was not earth shattering. It wasn't interesting. It isn't even surprising. And she's the one person that did a survey that did not result in anything because she didn't ask questions that were relevant today. You know, that's that's a, a generalized question that, you know, doesn't really live or grow or anything like that. So you really want to make sure that you are asking the right questions. Uh, some pushback I get from clients is, I don't know who to send the survey to. And uh there are dozens, perhaps even more, small and independent trade associations within your industry. Reach out to them and, and say, I'm doing a, a survey. I would like you to send it to your members. I'm going to be doing an, a press release that's going to go out nationally over PR Newswire. I will gladly mention you. Uh, and most of them will do it because they see it as a win-win. They don't get the love and attention that the large trade associations do. So a lot of the smaller and independent ones are very receptive about this. They might push back a little bit and want you to co-brand the survey or study with their name. I find that works really well. It gives you some more legitimacy as well when you do it. So I don't see that as a problem. And uh, so, you know, they send the link out by email or through social media. Ideally, they do both. And then you get several hundred responses and are able to really push some really interesting data together and uh, analyze that data. Um, and it, it's a little bit of work. It's not a lot of work. And it's not earth shattering uh, to do it, but yet it works every single time to get eight to 14 industry articles that were written about you and your survey is, is really compelling. And it really centers on you as being a, a, a reputable source. And it really gives you a lot of expertise within your industry. Okay, so with all these changes and everything you've shared with us, uh, do we still need to do the three hash marks at the bottom? No, you don't. Oh, really? No. That was one of the first things I was taught is put the three hash marks at the bottom of the press release, which means the end. You don't even have to put a date in the date line. The, wow. The, news, the Newswire adds it automatically. And okay. they add they add their closing marks. I don't think it's the three hashtags anymore, uh, but they have the closing as well uh, format. 
if, if you're going over a wire, you really don't have to think these things through or, or, or have any anguish or even make it a thought. It's really the content. Is there a headline? Um, you know, and is there a compelling beginning of the press release? And are you, you know, telling something that's meaningful? Uh, things that I find that are meaningful are, um, you know, uh, well, there's, for years, people have talked about newsjacking. Newsjacking is probably the worst way to try to get media attention. It may have worked 12, 15 years ago, but it doesn't uh -huh. anymore. Um, Newsjacking is basically just riding the coattails of an industry trend or something that's a hot button. Uh, everybody does it now. So when there's a credit card breach at Target, it's not surprising that a week and a half into it, there's 1,400 uh, press releases out there, all from 1,400 security consultants. There's not 1,400 articles being produced. So you're now competing for maybe 20, 30 articles that get written and there's 1,400 people paying to send a release over a wire, it doesn't work. Um, there are things that you can do if you insist on doing newsjacking. I've advised some of my clients who really are meandering uh, this, this landscape, and I had some that insisted that they were going to do the newsjacking angle. One was the target credit card breach. They were a month and a half late to the game, and I said, break it down to something that's really interesting. Who are your customers? And they said, well, interestingly, our customers are small mom and pops, like your local pizza shop or a dry cleaner. And they might have one location, but usually they never have more than two or three locations. And I said, could you write uh, a press release for them? And so they took the perspective of, hey, uh, could what happened to uh, Target with the credit card breach happen with you a small mom and pop with a credit card terminal on your counter, you know, take this audit and see if you are at, uh, exposed as well. And so that did okay. I think they got like two or three articles as a result of it. It wasn't earth shattering, but I guarantee if they had just gone with what they uh, originally had written, where they were trying to a, a, appear as generalist and just joining the conversation, they wouldn't have gotten any pickup. Now there is one way in which sometimes you can get into newsjacking and make it work. And that is where you are going to say something that is completely contrarian to everyone else. So like oh, I said, yes. in, in the case of uh, the credit card breach, there was 1400 companies saying the same thing. And because journalists want to be fair and balanced, if everybody's saying the same thing, but one person's raising their hand saying, no, I say the exact opposite. You have the potential for every article gets written for you to be plugged in as the naysayer, the, the contrarian, the one who says, well, not so fast, says so-and-so, and this is why. Uh, you know, uh, if you're willing to get out there and say something that is against your industry trend, then, uh, you know, it, you, you do stand the chance of getting plugged into all those articles. You have to make sure that you're comfortable and you're not going to um, alienate your existing customer base. So it's got to be a hot button that, you know, you can come across as being reasonable and not the crazy uncle. Uh, but also, uh, you're, 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 you're going to get people thinking. And, uh, you know, there's so many pro uh, electric car articles that are out there. And I rarely see people saying, well, you know, there's, uh, you know, 
environmental issues with the mining. There is, what are we going to do at the end of life with all these batteries? Are we creating an even bigger land uh, landfill issue uh, and environmental yeah. issue? And, you know, that's level-headed and reasonable to say that, but there are a few people out there doing that and actually marketing and getting incorporated in these articles about uh, electric vehicles. Yeah. I love the contrarian thing. I've been saying for almost 20 years through five different businesses, it's relevant to all of them, that there's something that a lot of entrepreneurs have in their businesses. And unfortunately, it's a problem for them. In fact, I tell all entrepreneurs, if you have this in your business, you don't need it, you don't want it, get rid of it now. What is this thing? Traffic to your website. The last thing you freaking need or want is traffic to your website. Right. What? Okay. Now, you being seasoned in this industry probably know where I'm going with this. My point in saying that is that traffic to your website, well, what is traffic? Traffic is the reason I don't have an office, okay? And websites, well, what is a website? How, how do you even define that? I, I have this whole chart of attempting to define what is actually a website. I've been on stages at seminars where I've spoken and I've asked the audience to define the terms traffic and website, and they couldn't. <laughs> but yeah, we hear traffic and website. Yeah, I get my traffic and website. No, you don't. What you need, what you want, are visitors to your web pages who fall within the three P's of website conversions pre qualified, prepped, and pumped. So, what I do there is I use a contrarian approach to make a point about well, what is optimized traffic and what is your website doing? So how are your web pages designed? How are your offers positioned? Uh, is your, you know, how's your load speed? What happens when your website pops up or your web page pops up? You point them to the right place. And who are these people coming to your website or web page? Are they, are they the right people? Or are they interested people? Are they excited people? Are they ready to take action people? Do they even belong there? A lot of questions to ask. When it comes to podcasting, I tell people that uh, pursuit of listeners and downloads is absolute bullshit and it'll crash your podcast right into the ground. Because hmm. you're focusing on listeners and downloads. Uh, at most, in my experience, if you're looking to get your podcast syndicated on a legacy network, then you'll need to demonstrate those numbers. But then we have to ask the question, what is a listener and what is a download? A listener means somebody clicked play on something. Does it mean that they actually listened through? Even if they played it through, does that mean that they were paying attention? Were they the target to be listening to it in the first place? Did it matter? Did they care? Was the content interesting? Was it engaging? Did it cause them to subscribe and then keep coming back? And download, well, that just means I clicked the little thing that says download right next to the player. Who knows if I even ever went to the hard drive where it downloaded to and opened the audio file to play it. Very misleading. I, I mean, if, I, if all I cared about was listeners and downloads, instead of helping people launch their podcast, I'd buy a bot farm. Hmm. I, I, so these are, this to me, this is just examples of using contrarian marketing. So when it comes to listeners and downloads for your podcast, what I ask is, how are you using your podcast for the entrepreneur? Is your key networking, client attraction, and celebrity expert branding tool? How are you using this to establish influencer positioning 
and markets, even if you've not played in those markets up until then? How are you using it to build a client base, create business alliances, open conversations that can take any number of interesting paths over time? This is what gets lost. And you say, why wouldn't you have a podcast? I could have 5 million listeners and 2 million downloads within 10 days or you're fired. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and try trademarking the phrase you're fired. It's been tried before. All right. So um, uh, why? So you touched on why press releases fail. Is there anything else we need to cover there? Because I want to make sure our listeners don't make make well you know, I, think that, errors. I think that a lot of the press releases that are out there probably 95 percent of them i will i don't think are qualify as being newsworthy mm-hmm. and yet why are they there uh and i think it's because they're often written out of committee and you uh-huh. know and in a corporate environment you know just gibberish and speech that means nothing and it's just you know it's it's just an exercise in pride uh these these press releases get produced and then they get sent out and nothing really happens except for money gets paid to the newswire for these releases to go out and Uh very little ever comes of them and i think that uh so many people then look at these releases as examples of what they should be issuing and it's it's a self-fulfilling thing of people just spending money on releases that aren't meaningful and probably won't result in any you know uh anybody saying hey let's turn and turn this uh, press release into an article and write write something about it so uh, you know i i I think that uh you should do an audit of of what you're wanting to announce and try to keep in mind that you want to own your own story you want to come across as authentic um one of the best clients that we have or the type of best clients that we have are startups they Uh do really well with pr and i think it's because they really know what their story is and what their unique selling proposition is they have an elevator pitch down pat that defines who they are and how they're different than everybody else in their industry and uh, as a result they that often translates into them getting articles written about them but there's no reason that uh you couldn't do the same thing you just have to really make sure that you uh, are are authentic and that you are aware of what you do that's different than everybody else. If you do not have a very fine-tuned, unique selling proposition, then you should certainly develop one because I guarantee you over time, you're going to find it more difficult to survive as a business if you're not doing something that's a little bit different than everybody else. And it doesn't have to be earth shattering. It could be, yeah. you know, your your relationship with customers and how you work with them. It could be uh, the education that you provide your customers. Uh, you know, it, there's, there's so many different things that you can sort of build as your niche and what you want to own and build a moat around it to protect it and, and help to differentiate yourself in the marketplace oh yeah uh now one thing i wanted to mention earlier is you mentioned citation styles and i know this is kind of going backwards but i just want to make a, a point here about something i think has to do with communications this does kind of lead to what will probably be our final question here there are various citation styles you mentioned the apa style and then there's you got chicago Turabian, mla iee you can go on and on and on uh, I think those are the five major styles, if I understand this correctly. You know, I have a, I have a style of writing, too. It's called the ARH style. And it's however I need to write to get my point across. 
There is one thing, however, that is absolutely non-negotiable, which is the Oxford comma. I will, I will, I will, I will throw down to the mat. I will draw blood over the Oxford comma. And I get queasy over blood, but I will draw it over the Oxford comma. Especially after I heard that Oakhurst Daily had to pay five million dollars in a dispute over overtime payment because the lack of an Oxford comma created ambiguities as to whether or not a certain type of work could be considered overtime. Yeah, it costs you a freaking fortune. I it's, it, it it like it aggravates me. It's worse than a misophonic reaction when I see the lack of the Oxford comma. So. I think one of these styles, it might be, I think it's the APA. I don't, I don't see, I don't even know. But one of them uh, dismisses the Oxford comma and you're not ever supposed to use it. Well, I'm not, then I'm not going to use your style. I mean, that's like, uh, I mean, that, I mean, the, the Oxford, I mean, commas in general are the difference between, um, between going to grandma's house for Thanksgiving and being a cannibal. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so with all that, now we're getting into, and you mentioned startups as well, and how they have the energy and the message focus that can make them very successful with press releases. Now let's get into a bit of the monetization model and really what's in it for our listeners here today. So how might a company use media coverage to improve their sales conversions and get more sales? Right. So um, basically... When you get an article written about you, it's an implied endorsement. And it's not unusual for clients to tell me, hey, we got this great article. We only got 127 visitors from it, but we got 47 sales. And they're just like, it's kind of crazy, that conversion rate. And, you know, is what we're seeing correct? And I I tell them, yes, uh, it is. When someone reads an article, they have usually a feeling of goodwill generated towards that business. It's completely different from ads. You see an ad and you just shut down, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. you're not getting through. But when it comes to an article, when a journalist has written an article about you, you're, 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 uh, you know, th- those things go down and you want to do business with them. Uh, another thing that happens with my clients is uh, they said that they sell more premium stuff that people don't, uh, mm-hmm. open up another browser and say, can I get this cheaper on Amazon? You know, they want to do business with you. And so that's, you know, a, a really compelling thing, but you can take it and use it in your own business. So you had an article written about you. That's great. But that you're, the, the audience of that publication is not your only audience. You have a, 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 an email list of leads, people who you've been interacting with who haven't converted yet, send the article in your newsletter uh, or email to them and share it with them, including a link or a screenshot of it. Uh, I, I, I like the link because it gets them there on the page. You'll find that a lot of people who are on the fence about working with you are going to be pushed over in uh, favor of working with you as a result of that article. You can also send it to your existing customers. Some of them might go stale, and this might be a way to get them uh, thinking more with you front of mind. 
and you can also share it with social media which also includes leads and stuff like that so you not only do you have the potential of getting customers from the audience of readers but you can actually use it as a tool for converting better with your own leads i had one client who was a local carpet company and they were very effective at getting articles in floor trade publications uh, wow. and i think all together they got like 30 articles from about 14 trade publications over a, a year period and they also got a local newspaper in new jersey and um and the new jersey magazine covered them as well and so they put together what they called a brag book and it was like a big photo album with all the clippings in it that they had printed out from the web and when they go get someone a quote uh, about installing carpet in their house they show them that they've been picked up here on floor trade weekly here they've been picked up in this publication and what happens is uh if you're a homeowner and you're like yeah this company is you know three percent more than everybody else but I really, really feel good about them coming in and installing because they're nationally recognized in their industry. And it wasn't just one or two articles. It was like dozens and dozens of articles. And so uh, they found that they converted double digits better uh, as a result of just incorporating that into their sales arsenal. And, uh, you know, that was extremely meaningful for them. Uh, they, they ended up actually raising their prices so that they were a 10% uh, differential, uh, between people. And they found that they still won. They still converted higher. Okay. I'm going to, um, reveal, well, not exactly a secret to you and me and probably not even to a lot of folks, but this still is very much a thing. I have a published book groundhog days and a bet not a business strategy international amazon bestseller i'm a contributing author to journeys to success a millennial edition uh, also an international amazon bestseller i'm the host of this podcast the business creators radio show i'm the host of a podcast called the brilliance plus passion project a partridge and a pear tree <laughs> now you and i know that these are actually pretty standard things that a lot of entrepreneurs do but there is still a significant segment of the population that just because I have this thing, they think that I'm come some kind of rock star and they want to touch my rope. Uh, it, it's like I try not to be bemused and I try to be gracious about it. I think I succeed most of the time. But uh, the fact the fact is, and this goes to your point, that being seen as having been written up in a journal, having the credibility to be able to say that you were picked up in these publications can make the difference between somebody hiring you or hiring somebody else. And it can also result in you charging higher fees. After all, you uh, were the one, you're the one that got published. You're the one that got picked up. You're the one that's being cited as an expert. So you must be an industry leader. And even for those who know the secret, the, here's another thing that comes through, which actually kind of leads to the same point is, Okay, well, we have three different companies here. This one took the time to invest in their branding and their marketing to get this media placement. They are in it to win it in a way that the others just aren't. I'd rather work with them. I have higher confidence they're going to be around for a long time, and they are more invested in their reputation, so that gives me confidence they'll do a great job. So it's funny, even when people know the secret, it still works. Right. Absolutely. So, so final question here, and we have about three minutes. What can a small business do to get free local media coverage, which is kind of like 
the baseline, but how can they do it? Right. So the easiest media for anyone to get is local media. If you think about it logically, there's only there's less than 10 people in your local market that could potentially write about you. Find yeah. out who they are, do your homework, get their email address. They if you, you can call and ask, they don't try to hide. They try to be accessible to the community. And right. uh, and, and so get the email addresses of them. Uh, you may want to also explore radio and TV if there are uh, special broadcasts that occasionally spotlights businesses. Uh, just try to educate yourself as much as possible with local news and uh, find out who those people are and just reach out to them on a, a regular basis. Uh, quarterly is a really good goal to get started. Uh, if you see something that's trending in your industry and you would be a good local example of that, you could introduce yourself and say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I have this local company. I'm seeing a lot of, uh, you know, things in the industry where they talk about like mobile um, dog grooming. Uh -huh. And uh, I am a local dog groomer who uh, has my own van and has been providing mobile services. I'd love to talk with you. And uh, here's a couple of quotes that uh, are really compelling uh, that would make a great story. A journalist will often build a story if they have an amazing quote. So spend a lot of time on your quote. And uh, it, it don't have to write a press release when you're dealing with local media. Uh, what I just said is a pitch. And that's really all you need is a few sentences. Uh, I like to throw the quotes in there because if you can really come up with some amazing quotes that zing, they say stuff, something in a very uh, special way, where if it was paraphrased, there'd be a loss of the art of what you said. Um, you know, I, I, I think that that's areas where you can work really well. And what you will find is the more you interact with local media over time, you will find it easier to get pickup. And what will happen is a journalist will be working on an article and they need to plug in a business and you will come to mind because you've interacted with them six or seven times over the last couple of years. And so they'll do a search in their email, they'll pull you up, and then they'll contact you to say, hey, would you be interested uh, in being uh, providing a quote for this article? Right, absolutely. So it's taking awareness marketing to another place. So for our listeners, we, we are um, pretty much wrapped up here is uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to make you aware of an invitation that Mickey Kennedy has for you. If you go to www.ereleases.com, you will discover how you can leverage the power of press releases from distribution to writing. You'll see some case studies. As he mentioned earlier, if you go to the footer of the website, you can see actual examples of press releases that you can model. Go back and listen to this episode and hear some of the tactics. It's not some big pompous ass thing. It's actually fun when you have a message that is from the center of your brilliance and your passion, the intersection of your brilliance and your passion. So go there www.ereleases.com. And you can also find Mickey on social media. Just tell him when you reach out that you uh, heard him on the Business Creators Radio Show and go from there. And with that, Mickey Kennedy, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.